Uh, well, good morning, everybody, and uh, um, Happy New Year to you if I uh, haven't seen you since the, the changing of the guard. Um, and I just, uh, Sue and I were out uh, swimming um, yesterday at um, Wellington's Bay just to, in the evening. We managed to take a plunge, and there was a lady um, in the water who we got talking to, and we were saying how lovely it was in the water. And she said, yeah, I've, I've got to stay in. The only thing I can ever get out for is food and water. <laughs> and today we happen to be talking about water. Um, I just want to read a couple of scriptures from that reading that we heard today, and then we are going to um, get into it. So Jesus said this, whoever drinks this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. And he also said to the woman, um, You have said well, for you have no husband. For you have five husbands, and the one who you now have is not your husband, in that you truly have spoken. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive you are a prophet. And today I want to talk about two aspects at the beginning of this year that I believe are essentials for the Christian life. Um, first of all, it is the filling of the Holy Spirit, that every Christian needs to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I don't know about you, I've been watering my tomato plants very fastidiously, but if I didn't water my tomato plants for about a week, they'd start to wilt and sag. Um, but it needs continual water. And the Bible talks about us being continually filled with the Spirit. It says in Ephesians, go on being filled with the Spirit. So I want to talk a little bit about that. And then I also want to talk a little bit about how Jesus ministered to that woman. And I want to make the point that we too are called as Christians to minister the same way that Jesus did. He brought a word of knowledge to that woman. A word of knowledge that he could not have known in the natural. It was a, a, a word of knowledge that the Spirit gave him. And that opened her up to God. And in our life and witness as Christians, we need to be open to that ourselves. It's called the supernatural. You might have heard in that reading it says God is spirit. And we need to be open to the supernatural. And at the beginning of 2020, um, the message that I'm going to be speaking this week is about water, and that is the Holy Spirit. And next week, I'm going to be speaking about food. Did you see at the end of the message there how um, Jesus said to the disciples, my food is to do the will of the one who sent me? And I want to talk about that aspect of Jesus' teaching next week. I want to start off by just telling you a little personal story of something that um, happened to me. And you may well have heard this, and my apologies if you have. Uh, in 1979, uh, when I was 26, 27, I became a Christian. And what happened at that point was the Holy Spirit came into my life. But I was not filled with the Spirit for another 16 years. Um, now, that's not prescriptive for everybody. You're probably filled with the Spirit straight away. But in 1994, at the age of 40, I was filled with the Spirit. 
And that happened um, one evening at home when I was reading a psalm in bed at night. The Holy Spirit just came sovereignly upon me. And my life changed radically, I have to say. And this is the little story I want to tell you. About a year later, I was um, leading worship in our little church. And at the end of the service, I was literally standing by the window, and I heard the voice of the Lord say to me, there's someone here with a sore left hip. And I thought, oh, that's very interesting, Lord. <laughs> and then the word came again, there's somebody here with a sore left hip. And I had at that point to make a decision whether I was going to open my mouth and say anything. So I did. I said, is there anyone here with a sore left hip? And three hands went up. I was astounded. So I went to the middle of the um, sanctuary and I put a chair down. In fact, I think I put three chairs down and one lady got right up out of a chair, chair, a chair before she was even invited and she actually ran forward and sat on the chair. And as she sat on the chair, she was healed. She'd had a riding accident at the age of 12 and she'd lived for over 40 years with this sore left hip. Now, what that taught me was two things. That first of all, we need to listen to the Spirit and we need to be obedient to speak. And secondly, it's actually got nothing to do with us apart from opening our mouths and sharing something with somebody. God is sovereign. And it taught me that lesson to be listening to God and that he can do so much more than all we can ever imagine. So today at the end of the message, what I'm going to do is I'm going to take a risk and a punt and I'm going to ask people, first of all, at the end of the message, if you should like to come forward for prayer to be filled or refilled with the Holy Spirit. And also some friends have been praying for the service and they've got some words of knowledge for people in the church. And we're going to share those and if you want to respond to any of those words, we're going to invite you to come forward for prayer. Let's just turn now to the passage so we can put this in context. Today's scripture was from John chapter 4. And there are three things I want to say about this encounter. Uh, Jesus was going from Judea up to Galilee. And normally what they would do, Jews, is they would take the route up by the Jordan River, which connects the Sea of Galilee down to the Dead Sea. But for some reason, Jesus chose to go through Samaria. Now, you need to know that Jews and Samaritans hated each other. In fact, this is what Jews would pray in their prayers. Lord, do not remember the Samaritans at the resurrection. Isn't that a nice prayer? <laughs> do not remember the Samaritans at the resurrection. <laughs> they just hated them. And there was a reason for that, a long-standing historical reason. Even though both of them were from the same stock, they were both actually Jewish or Israelites to begin with. But there was a historical reason why they didn't like each other. The second thing is that when Jesus was going through and he stopped at Jacob's well there, outside Sychar, that's where you saw him sitting in the reproduction, he started to talk to this woman. Now, rabbis don't talk to women in public. In fact, rabbis actually shielded their faces from women as they walked by. Isn't that nice? Isn't that friendly? And some rabbis used to have um, bruises on their shoulders because they'd bump into a wall instead of bumping into a woman. And so we have Jesus, first of all, walking through Samaria, talking to a Samaritan. 
Secondly, talking to a woman who would, a man would never be seen talking to a woman in public, a Jewish rabbi. And thirdly, she was obviously a woman of ill repute. And the reason I say that is because you will notice she came to the well and there was no one else at the well. And what would happen in that culture is that um, respectable women would come down early in the day to collect water and the non-respectable women would come later. And she would probably came around about midday. It said it was the sixth hour. Um, and we kind of know why she wasn't respectable. I'm sure most of the women in Saikal were hanging on to their husbands because she was around. She'd already had five husbands. What this tells me is, first of all, that Jesus crossed every racial, every ethnic, every gender, every age, every social barrier to reach people. What about us? Are we willing to cross every barrier to reach people for Christ? <clears throat> the next thing about the woman was she had a deep need. She had a trail of broken relationships. Had she been an adulteress, I probably would imagine she had been. I don't think she was a prostitute. She was probably a lady who had gone in and out of relationships, had committed adultery, and was kind of on her own. But she was seeking something. She was seeking intimacy. She was seeking an intimate relationship with someone. And I think she represents for us the very fact that the only ultimate intimate relationship that we can be truly satisfied is with God. He's the only one that we can ultimately be truly satisfied with. That's why Jesus said to her, the water that I give will become in you like a fountain, bubbling up unto eternal life. Jesus was really saying to her, the natural things of this world, like this water, will ultimately not satisfy you. As good as they are, meaningful work, um, families, uh, material things, pleasure, ultimately they will not satisfy because we're always wanting more. And he says the only thing that will satisfy, in fact, is the Holy Spirit. There was a Muslim leader in Cordova in the 8th century who wrote a tremendous piece of wisdom. Listen to what he said. He was a Muslim and he said this. I've now reigned for 50 years over Cordova in victory and peace. I'm beloved by my subjects. I'm dreaded by my enemies and respected by all my allies. Riches and honors, powers and pleasures have waited on my call. Nor does any earthly blessing appear to have me wanting for happiness. In this situation, I have diligently numbered the days of pure and genuine happiness in my life. And they've been 14. O oh man, place not your confidence in the present world. Jesus said, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. And he who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of life-giving water. This he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive. Somebody more contemporary is Robbie Williams, the famous singer. 
He once went on, once went on a shopping spree in Los Angeles and he bought seven cars in one day. He bought a brand new Ferrari, a brand new Porsche, and a brand new Mercedes. I can see Phil lightening up here. Within a week, he wished he'd never bought any of them. Robbie Williams was very honest about his life. He sang a song called Feel, and in the words he says this, I just want to feel real love. There's a hole in my soul. You can see it in my face. It's a real big place. See, God plants a desire in every human being for a relationship with God that only God can fill. And I think that the Robbie Williams and the Samaritan woman and, and this Muslim leader, if you like, show us that the things of this world ultimately do not satisfy us. The only thing that can satisfy us is God. The next point I want to make, I want to now talk a little bit about how Jesus ministered to this woman. I need to talk about this because if we as Christians claim to follow Christ, we need to be on the journey of endeavoring to minister like him. That's why Jesus said to the disciples, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And so this little story, the disciples would have come back and he would have told them about what had gone on. And they would have gone, oh, how did you know that word of knowledge, Jesus? How did you know that that woman had had five husbands and now the one she was living with wasn't her husband? How did you know that? Now, some of you might say, oh, because he's Jesus, he knows everything. In a one sense, you're right, but in another sense, you're not. Because Jesus was a human being just like us. He had flesh and blood. The only thing that was different from us was that he never sinned. And he actually said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Spirit has anointed me to do this work. And so he was in constant communion with the Holy Spirit. And we are too. This is what Paul writes. Paul says, we are ministers of the new covenant of the Spirit. We, as believers in Christ, are ministers of the Spirit. We are to minister the Spirit to one another and to the world. And Jesus said this, He who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do, because I'm going to my Father. He's saying, you will be able to do this. And so Jesus ministers this supernatural word of knowledge to this lady. And he goes straight into an area of his life that no one here would want the minister of the church to talk to them about. And that is their private life. You certainly wouldn't want another congregant to know about your private life. And he goes straight to relationships. He goes straight to sexuality. He goes straight to her deepest need. Did you see her face? beautifully acted. <gasps> he knows. I don't know if you've heard of John Wimber. John Wimber? Put up your hand if you've heard of John Wimber. John Wimber. Okay, John Wimber, who ministered in the gifts of the Spirit, writes about this experience he had on a plane once. Shortly after takeoff, 
I pushed back the reclining seat and adjusted the seat belt, preparing to relax. My eyes wandered about the cabin, not looking at anything in particular. Seated across me was a middle-aged man, a businessman to judge from his appearance. But there was nothing unusual or noteworthy about him. But in a split second, my eyes happened to see in his direction, I saw something that startled me. Written across his face in clear print was the word adultery. I blinked. I rubbed my eyes and looked again. Yes, still it was there, the word adultery. I was seeing it with my own eyes and in my mind's eye. No one else on the plane, I'm sure, saw it. It was the Spirit of God communicating to me a fact about his life. By now the man had become aware that I was looking at him. <laughs> In brackets, John writes, I was gaping at him. Some might use a more accurate description. And he turned across to me and said, what do you want? He snapped. As he spoke, suddenly a woman's name came clearly into my mind. This was far more familiar to me. I'd become accustomed to the Holy Spirit bringing these things to my awareness through these kinds of promptings. Somewhat nervously, I leant across the aisle and I said, does the name Jane Smith, brackets not her real name, mean anything to you? His face turned ashen. We better talk, he said. <laughs> Wimber ends up by saying that on that plane flight, he ministered to that man and he led that man to the Lord out of a word of knowledge of somebody he never knew. I heard about a pastor who was preaching, I think his name was David Jones, and he was preaching in a church in America, and the pastor of the church was sitting down there next to Sue, kind of there, and in the middle of the sermon he stopped and he said, Pastor, stop thinking about your dog, and then he carried on. And the pastor was actually thinking about his dog. Now, this is not spooky kind of ESP, extra telepathy, whatever you call it. It's spirit-led ministry. And that, folks, is what we are called to do. Is that difficult? We are to minister out of our communion with God. You know, Jesus' ministry to that woman was entirely loving. He loved her. He wasn't condemning her. He absolutely loved her. That's the fruit of the Spirit. But then he ministered in the power gifts of the Spirit. And we are called to do that too. And what was the result of it? She dropped her pot. The very reason she came to the well, she dropped it. And she ran back to the town and told everybody about Jesus. A word of knowledge. What is it? A word of knowledge is a supernatural revelation given by the Holy Spirit to one person about another person that they would not have known in the natural, and it's given to help set people free to bring freedom, to bring life to other people. And the best place to practice it is in the church. 
because Jesus did it outside of the church in Samaria. And we can do that too. How do you receive a word of knowledge? And I believe there are one or two people even receiving words of knowledge right now as I'm speaking. I believe that. You're either seeing a picture, you're feeling something, you're sensing something, you're seeing something. Or you're hearing something. One way to receive a word of knowledge is just to see it. You actually see it in your mind's eye. Like, you know the, the bridge down at the Hartia River is an iconic bridge, and you can see it in your mind's eye now like that. If you look at it, you can think of it. But that's the way sometimes we receive a word of knowledge, just a picture in our mind. Sometimes we actually can see a picture. Sometimes you can actually hear God speak audibly. Um, Sue tells me a story many years ago that she actually heard the audible voice of the Lord speaking to her, which led to a chain of incidents which caused her to meet me. So it must have been right. <laughs> well, I better retract that one. Um, sometimes you can just know it. You know how they say, I just know in my knower? Sometimes you just know something. Uh, sometimes... Um, you feel it. And this is an interesting one. Sometimes you feel a pain in your body that you've never felt before, and it's quite intense. And that pain is what we call a sympathy pain, and it might be for someone else. I've come across this before. I've never actually had a sympathy pain myself, but I've come across this type of ministry before. Another one is that you sometimes get a welling of emotion. You, you, you might look at someone and you just get this well of emotion that flows up within you. And that's sometimes the Holy Spirit speaking to you for that person. Sue and I were crying in the car coming home last night, I have to admit this. We were listening to that beautiful song in the Phantom of the Opera because our daughter's getting married in April. And I was thinking of handing my daughter over to this man and I just started welling up with tears. I just wanted to put my arms around my daughter and told her that I love her and I don't want to let her go, but I do. You know what I mean? That kind of well of emotion that comes up within us. And sometimes um, God can just uncap that well of emotion um, within us. I just want to come into land here and um, I want to share one more little example for you and then I'm going to tell us what I'd like us to try and do. Here we go. About 12, 13 years ago, three of us in Wanganui were asked to go and preach in another Anglican church. So we got together at this lady's home. Her name was Sheila. Sheila and Rod Davies. And we thought, well, what does the Lord want to say and Sheila said, well, how about we pray? And we asked the Lord to give us a picture or give us something. So we prayed. And as I waited on the Lord, this really strange picture came. And what it was was a daisy with another daisy growing right out of the center of it. It was so unusual. And I thought, what does that mean? <laughs> so I kind of hung on to it. And the next day we went to St. Peter's and it came after the talk to the time of ministry. And so we offered these words that we were given. And I offered this word, and a woman got straight up out of her chair, and she came forward, and she took my hands, and we went to the side, and she said, would you pray for me? She said, I picked a flower like that out of my garden yesterday, and this is what's happening in my life. She suddenly realized that God knew, and God cared about her, and God wanted to minister to her through us. 
But I'm quick to say that anyone who ministers to, when we minister to each other, it's actually what we're looking for is the flow of the Spirit flowing through us into the lives of other people. Because Jesus said, out of your belly will flow rivers of life-giving water. And so I've got a very timid team today that have been praying. They're probably very bold, but they've been praying and God's given them one or two words of knowledge. And we're just going to share those in a minute. And in your pews, you will notice some pens and paper. And we're just going to ask for quiet in a minute. And if you sense God saying something to you for someone else in the congregation, we'd love you just to write it down. And then what we'll do is we'll share it. And then those who would like to have prayer can come forward for prayer. How does that sound? You know... Many years ago, Sue and I were in a church called the Bethel Church in America, and uh, uh, Bill Johnson, who's the pastor there, said, he said, you know, I use my morning services as training ground for the soldiers to go on out and fight. So he does practice his ministry with the people in the church on Sundays, and in fact, they ministered to us that day. I can clearly remember it. And so what we're really doing today is we're reminding ourselves at the beginning of this year that firstly, we all need to be filled with the Holy Spirit and go on being refilled. And secondly, we all need to try and minister to people out of that flow of the Spirit that he places within us. And so what I'm going to do now is I'm going to to finish. Um, And just to give you an example, I'm going to ask Chris to come up here and she's going to read out the words of knowledge that she's been given And then we're going to have a little time of silence. If you want to write anything down, you could then just bring them to Chris or you could actually come and call them out. And then we're going to sing a hymn, which will be our final hymn.